0: I'm Preeti Chivar. And I'm Jen Northington. And this is Tar Valon or Bust, a Wheel of Time podcast.
1: Always something new. Always something I didn't expect. And sometimes it isn't horrible. (laughs) (laughs) From The Great Hunt, chapter 15.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it because it's so accurate. Like... Almost everything that's happening to all of these characters is new and horrible. Yes. <laughs> but every now and then something nice happens. <laughs> sort of. Or uh, could be nice. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. So as you might be able to tell by this point, we are rereading the Wheel of Time books in advance of the TV show Adaptation's release, We're talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite moments and digging into all things Wheel of Time. And today we're going to talk about chapters 11 to 18 of The Great Hunt in an attempt not to talk for an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, But before we do, we'll see how we do. Before we get into that, though, there is some very exciting concept art Posted on the Wheel of Time (WOT) on Prime account on the fifteenth, and we definitely want to talk about that. Yeah, there's some good stuff in there because it, it's giving
1: us hints of what we will hopefully see on the show—from the travelers to Shadar Logoth to the festival at Amon's Field. Like, it looks so warm and lived-in, and I'm—it—it it got me like really, really excited. Like. I feel like it's been a minute since we've had some news and this has kind of brought it back again.
0: Yeah, and it's, It is, it feels very grand in scale at the same time that it does seem very lived in. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a couple of, we'll leave a link to the tweet in the show notes, um, and it breaks it all out in the thread. But, like, there's this one where it's two figures standing on a cliff, like, overlooking a lake and a bridge, or maybe it's a river, it's hard to tell. And there's these giant cliffs around them, and, like, the scale of it just feels enormous. Uh, but then you have these sort of zoom ins of like Priti was saying of Eamon's Field. It looks like the Beltine Festival and it's like, oh, it's so oh it's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it,
1: and it looks like the the kind of visuals and imagery they're going for feels very fantasy. It feels very like, like I'm playing Dragon Age Inquisition right now and it's got a little oh. bit of that. It's got a little bit of Witcher Three. So this like very like familial familiar sort of fantasy setting which I'm fine with I don't need them to like reinvent the wheel or anything like
0: reinvent the wheel hey
1: (laughs) thanks (laughs)
0: delightful as I was saying it I was like don't do it
1: don't do it but I did it
0: Oh, it's cool. It's really cool. They put together a very fancy, like, musically exciting trailer of it, too, that has a shot of Rafe Judkins talking about some of the reasons he's excited about adapting it, too. So it's cool. You should check it out. Click the link. All right. So
1: chapters 11 to 18 today, which, again, like this, I will say this portion was significantly more enjoyable to me than the last section. Hard, hard agree. Right. Extremely, yes. Yeah. Like, where I think, I do think that break from perspective and forcing us to, like, like, see through other people's eyes in the last section was, like, a huge issue for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was, it was very, I mean, I think that's part of the reason we went so long is because it just felt overstuffed. Like, mm-hmm. those chapters were just, like, You know, 10 pound chapters in a five pound bag. Like, there was so much in there. There were multiple perspectives per chapter, like, so much info dumping. Like, there's a lot going on. And I agree completely. These chapters, I was like, whew, like, it almost felt uh, not restful because there's still some really intense and scary things that happen. But the flow felt better. Maybe that's what it is. It flowed better. It didn't feel like it didn't feel like so much reading or so much stress in the reading yeah yeah it,
1: it really like in comparison where last time felt like so much info dumping mm-hmm. um this one like let us live in the story which was really yeah. nice where I just felt like like wanting to go along and not being irritated when it changed perspectives because <laughs> I still cared about the other person I was reading about.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's much more focused, certainly. And we do get some awesome plot moments. Uh, And so, yeah. So, So let's get into it. So chapter 11... We are on the hunt for the Great Horn, right?
1: Yeah, we're right back into it with Ingtar and um, just after that super creepy village where the Merdral was oh. nailed to the door and Rand had that very strange experience with the flies. Um, right. And so Rand is like kind of freaking out and and a very brief aside to just really appreciate the cursing in Wheel of Time. <laughs> From goat kissing hide to you <laughs> sheep gutted milk drinker. <laughs> Sorry for liking dairy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're they're in this like kind of uh, just after that, trying to figure out where these dark friends are. and Rand is freaking out.
0: Well, he finds out, he finds out two things. He finds out that Moiraine has put the dragon banner in his saddlebags. Yes, I mean. The, which is. But I want to kind of go in order
1: because first, Inkar okay, is like, right, by right. the way. Yeah. If yeah. anything happens to me, you're in charge. Right. And Rand is
0: like, what? <laughs> Cause... it's so great because he it's such a genuine moment of befuddlement because like he has no freaking clue he's never done he's... anything like this no he's he's never he's not in charge of anything other than like you know his sheep back into rivers like he's a farmer and a shepherd like he doesn't know anything about leading men and that that like it has been arranged behind his back with these people like Inktar, he super respects and is mm-hmm. very impressed by and wants to think well of him. It's so, it's such a mindfuck for him.
1: I know. I feel so, I feel so bad for him because as much yep. as like we know, you know, they keep telling Rand he's the chosen one, he's the dragon yeah. reborn, all this stuff. But literally, in terms of Rand's actual life experience. <laughs> he has no exactly he's like quite literally just been a shepherd in in two rivers his entire life and now they're like you're gonna you're gonna lead like a freaking battalion
0: yeah
1: (laughs) and these men who are battle-hardened and will be expected to listen to you who as far as rand knows doesn't know anything like and Rand doesn't quite have the confidence to fake it till you make it right in this moment he will get it but (laughs) there's none of that
0: and worse everybody knows like everybody in the battalion except Mm -hmm. for him and presumably matt and perrin and loyal everybody else knows already like they he can't even like weasel out of it they're just like nope this is how it works in shinar like this is your duty. You will. You will do. Well, your that's. Duty. I loved that moment, right when
1: Rand kind of pushes back, of like, no, 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 and Ingtar is like, no, this is like all the lances know. Everybody knows. And that line when he says, he ends it with, "You will find the horn, and you will take it where it belongs." You will. There was a particular. There was a peculiar emphasis in Ingtar's last words, and you're like, "The fuck does that mean?" I <laughs> know. <laughs>
0: Dang, Ingtar. Um So that he gets that dr- bomb dropped on him, and then he finds the dragon banner in his saddlebags that Moiraine has smuggled in there. Well, and in, he's, no, no, he's no! no. Like, oh, Ingtar I'm hands cool. him the bundle. Oh, that's right. Ingtar right. gives him the bundle, then
1: like gives him the bundle, and Rand's like, "What the? What's this?" And then Ingtar is like, "Oh, by the way, you're gonna be in charge if I die." Yeah. And then Rand <laughs> Ran is like, "What is Moiraine doing?" So she has this—he has this freaking bundle. <laughs> and he's so scared and Matt and Perrin are so mad at him and he like doesn't know what to do so he like takes it into the stupid woods and like unfurls it
0: (laughs) and is having like a legit anxiety attack about it and then who walks up
1: (laughs) oh I will say so this is where I was kind of like this this was a great moment because you know we know that Every time someone finds out Rand can channel, it's like a little bit more anxiety because it's not necessarily people you know how will react. Like, you don't know how yeah. they'll react. You don't know how much they care about Rand outside of like Egwene and Neneve. Like Moraine, mm-hmm. we don't necessarily understand. Like we know her priority is not necessarily Rand so much right. as the wheel. <laughs> yeah Suen, we don't know. Varen, we don't know. So this moment when Matt... Oh my god when matt says rand can you channel like my entire body yeah clenched up in like (laughs) sheer anxiety
0: yeah oh (sighs) it's rough and then his response it's like there's this moment where it sort of feels like you know oh they're his friends like maybe it's gonna be okay and then it's like nope it's not okay like matt in particular is like, uh, you should leave. And parents like, Yeah, you should leave. And then Matt's like, I'm not gonna sleep anywhere near you. Like I I, I, I felt so
1: bad. It's it's really it's really hard where one again with Matt though, I think we always have to consider that that dagger is still a piece of him. And so yeah. we're not necessarily getting we didn't really get to know Matt before he got that dagger. Right. in in terms of the book so everything we're seeing is I'm I'm very interested to see after this dagger storyline kind of ends to remember yeah. what kind of character he is outside of it because I genuinely only like sort of remember right um because it very quickly like Matt Matt and Perrin kind of have this moment and like Matt's like oh my god are you okay like are you going mad and Rand like throws a rock at him <laughs> so there's like This great little thing, and of course, Perrin is such like a very good friend. I feel like in this second, until he lets his own demons come out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right when he's like, "You should run," but
0: sometimes you can't. (laughs) It is a very traumatic Perrin moment, especially because Rand has absolutely no idea what Perrin is talking about. Like he doesn't. He knows that Perrin's eyes are funky, but he has no Mm. context for that. Um, And so all he knows is Perrin is, like, being sort of broody and tormented for reasons he doesn't understand. And maybe, like, he doesn't realize that
1: Perrin might be projecting a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, buds. Poor buds. I know. It makes you feel, like, really, really bad for Rand in this moment of, like, how can I, like, when he says, like, I'm glad of anybody's company who isn't afraid of me. How much longer can I have it? And this is, like, this you know, twenty-year-old boy who has to consider complete and utter isolation, and he is not only being isolated actively by Moiraine, he's being isolated by his peers and people that yeah. I think he would have hoped he could have like counted on.
0: Yeah, like had some support from. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they're all you know. They're, this is so far out of all of their experiences. Like you can't really blame that. No, I don't. I don't. Because this is literally the scariest thing that they've ever been. Like all of the stories that they've been told, all the things they they've you know been like threatened with as kids. You know, this is in fact the worst fate imaginable, and yeah. also they feel in danger from him, which is a real thing. So I can't blame them, but you do feel really bad for Rand. And then and then we have to read Pat and Fame's perspective I, for like four pages. I know, but I love it because it's so yeah.
1: creepy and weird <laughs> and terrifying. You go from this like, you go from Rand who is just kind of spiraling, spiraling and you feel so bad for him. And he's such a, like a sympathetic character here where... It just sucks. Like, it just sucks yeah. what he's going through. Like, he, you know, he doesn't know how to handle it. And then you go mm-hmm. to this terrifying man who, like, I love the reveal of him being the one who took the dagger. And so you know there's going to be some kind of showdown there between yeah. involving him and Matt in some way. Like, again, mm-hmm. I I don't remember how nope, that ends up going. Either. Um, And I feel like the way... Jordan writes this section is so wonderfully off-putting.
0: You know? <laughs> like
1: the like like at first he smiles and it doesn't touch his eyes and then he smiles again and this time it does touch his eyes when he's thinking about
0: nailing the mirror to the door. <laughs> oh, it's so I have, scary! I have my note here it just says, Pat and Fane number one creep. <laughs> yes! He is! Like he's talking to the Trollocs about how to feed
1: on the remaining villagers and the way to arrange them to make them the
0: most scary to the people who are following them. Like, yeah. And then he's taunting these dark friends and, you know, about like, well, maybe I'll let them eat you next. Like, who knows? Uh, And it's just so, I mean, literally everyone is terrified of him, including monsters who are twice
1: his size. Yeah. It's horrifying. Like, we we were told the entire first book that the scariest thing outside of like Balsamon himself were these fades, right? Like those yeah. were the things that you did not want to cross. Like if a fade catches right. you, you're screwed. So to know fane is the one who nailed that thing to the door it's like an immediate yeah. of like he is leveled up as a boss like we yeah, right. how how is rand gonna deal with this i did is that thing when when fane is talking about how um rand keeps vanishing from his senses is that the
0: void oh yeah that's what i was thinking too i might have two guesses either it's the void or it's when he's channeling Oh, I don't know yeah. why that would be. I have no. I have no guesses as to why, but that occurred to me to be an option. I was just. It just
1: literally just now occurred to me though, is when um, later, which we will get to, but when Balzaman says the girl is trying to protect you. Is mm. is Egwene doing something like in her sleep
0: I don't or know. like? That's an interesting question too. Well, let's that takes us sort of right into the next uh, chapter because we get Egwene, and I love her chapter so much in this section. Oh my gosh, I have. Like the biggest heart eyes for Egwene. <laughs> I know it's so good,
1: and it's such like a it's such like a deliberate and like intensive
0: paralleling to what Rand is going through, which is really interesting. Yeah, right. But like I mean, everything about it is so different in terms of their responses to yeah, it. I, and in part because let's be fair, like the thing that's happening to Rand is way more upsetting and totally. terrifying than what's happening to Egwene. But yes, they're both like. They both found out they can channel. They're both, like, moving along a path that was not even an option, like, not even imaginable to them, you know, and however both, many weeks ago.
1: The first, t- the first like, stro- the strongest point of paralleling to me started on 201 when it's the first moment that Egwene feels like a tool. Yeah. Like, when... Um, the Amarylline is looking at them and she it makes her feel like one of the tools from, you know, the blacksmith or yeah. whatever it was back home, which I thought was a, like a very explicit way to tie her and Rand's experiences together. A hundred percent. Right. Because up till yep. that point, she's had such a drastically different not just like reactionary experience, but literal experience to him. Like she chose to leave. She has not been thinking about home. She has been active in every piece of what she's been doing. And this Mm -hmm. is the beginning of like, oh no, I'm not necessarily in control anymore. And now I have to figure out how to live in this world where I may not be top priority or it's like my choices might not matter,
0: sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're so we're back in Faldera and they're about to leave and uh they're getting more lessons from
1: Yeah, the but so ice they're ice. they're they're literally about to leave but but they're going through like um sorry, I just don't want to miss some of this stuff cuz there's like There's this great moment with Lan when she's talking about, you know, she and Nenev are sharing a tent or whatever and Lan comes in to to take Neneve and they have this conversation. And I was like, where is Rand eavesdropping when we need him? I feel like every other moment between Neneve and Lan we've been in the benefit of like having Rand there to like awkwardly eavesdrop. (laughs) And, And Egwene's too proper. (laughs) but there's another like explicitly uh Rand parallel here where Egwene is kind of like maybe Moiraine doesn't have time for us anymore yeah which is exactly what Rand was saying the whole time and I just I can't it's just so interesting to me that that's who he that's who Jordan chooses to be the strongest like kind of partner to Rand in this moment Mm, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. like what does that mean for like a little later on which again we'll get to um in terms of like their relationship Mm -hmm. right because rand reaffirms later on he's like i love Egwene." (laughs) you're like right right. (laughs)
0: buddy but okay now Uh... we can we can
1: get to the um because varon comes in to teach them right
0: yeah, yes. Baron comes in to teach them and she's kind of uh, she, like, sort of shames Nynaeve into staying. Yes. Uh, because <clears throat> Nynaeve is very ready to be like, I don't need your stupid lessons. I'm going to be an accepted once I get to Tarvalon. Everybody says so, like, bye! And <laughs> Baron manages to, you know, sort of bully her, basically, into staying. Um, and And also into, like, you know, some channeling but I was thinking about before that. There's this great moment on the bottom of 206 where Baron is talking about like what happens to girls and women who don't learn how to control their channeling and how they can be damaged. And she mentions, "Oh, it's not the same as what happens to those poor men." And she, like, you know, does a little glance. I underline that. Like, does she know? She can't know, can she? um and I love how sharp Egwene is at picking up on this like very small clue well that
1: I think that's part of it right is like something what's really like part of what's really interesting about these lessons between Egwene and Neneve is that the Aes Sedai are very clear about it but we get to see a very clear difference between the two of them of how Neneve is kind of consistently getting in her own way and in her own way of being able to participate in this experience of learning how to use the power whereas Egwene is so excited that she just kind of like barrels ahead without necessarily thinking about it um I didn't love when they were talking about how to teach girls how to use the power that line it was like and the girl's own fear slows her down, but it's necessary. I was like, gross. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> well,
0: it's, I mean, it's sort of like the whole thing. Like, imagine you're a flower bud. and am just always like, <sighs> like, it's so, <sighs> I just, it just feels so like girls are sugar and spice and everything. Yeah. Nice. Like, I just don't, I, you know, it's one of the things, one of the many things around gender that, that is not my favorite. Um, yeah. It's a lot but of like, I actually like, do think hmm, yeah, I, I think it's interesting, when I read that section, what I was thinking about was how this is Egwene's MO, is that, like, she, she probably knows on some level, she knows that there are going to be consequences to her actions, like, whether it's leaving the two rivers, or, like, you know, di- diving into a fight against the Forsaken, it's not that she's, like, stupid and doesn't understand what she's doing, it's that she wants to do the action more than she's afraid of the consequences Mm -hmm. and that's just yet another thing where they're saying like most girls are not as aggressive as you are in reaching for the power so like we have to take extra measures to make sure that you're ready for what you're doing. Uh, and it's just like, yep, there she is. Like that's Egwene in, in a nutshell right there.
1: Yeah. One thing I did note while reading, because we do get so much Egwene in this um, section that we read today, is how little she romanticizes her time in Two Rivers in the way that Rand consistently <laughs> does. Like Egwene yeah. doesn't really have any sort of sentimental memories. Yeah once she's started on this path right right like she doesn't really think about her father very much she mentions her mother a few times but like yeah. for the most part she's kind of like in it to win it
0: yeah <laughs> you're like yeah i love so you true. And um, we should we should move this along. We're only on the second chapter. Sorry, in. so I do okay. Quick other shout out in this chapter from my notes is that I love that Nynaeve lights a pile of blankets on fire by accident. That was a great moment. It was. This was a really
1: really great moment for Neneve where Varen is like talking down to her, and <sighs> Varen just. The way people, the way Isidai so interact with Nenev, I'm like, ugh.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's infuriating for sure. Um, and then, and then we get this dream business, right? That's yeah, with
1: with Egwene having dreams.
0: Yeah, which is so cool. Uh, I was waiting for this, and I'm super excited that uh that this this thing has finally come into play um because i remember a bunch about this from my prior i don't remember anything about this oh yeah yeah so so Egwene is like trying to find more rain because she had this dream that rand was in danger and it's like a very specific kind of danger like she sees a man he's got flames under a mask like we know exactly what she's Mm -hmm. but she doesn't know and she's trying to find Moiraine to be like, oh, we have a problem. But Moiraine is, like, gone. She's I mean, like, that, nad- isn't
1: that crazy? That, like, just a side yes. that, like, Moiraine left, right. Lan left, Varen left, yes. Leandrin left.
0: And you're like... Right. I mean, is like, already on a boat. It's like, who was going to tell her it's time to go? Like, poor Egwene is yeah. having these dreams. And do you think that
1: these are the... Are, is Egwene protecting Rand in these
0: dreams? Right. So... Yeah, because this comes into play later, too. I, you know, question mark? Like, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Because when she does finally find Anne Isidai to talk to you about it, um, she finds Anaya, who says, like, oh, you might be a dreamer. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like capital D dreamer. It's a, you know, it's linked to foretelling. Like, it's this power that we haven't seen for a long time. But it could be that you're having true dreams, and, you know, we'll look into it when we get to Tardallon, basically.
1: Um, yeah, which she... it sucks because Egwene's like, but he might be in trouble now. Right. right now. Oh, and he, she's also, in addition to the man who we know as Balsmont, she's dreaming yeah. about a woman. Like a well, yeah, that's right. a gorgeous woman whose eyes, like, shine like the moon, but Egwene knows she's evil. And you're like, mm-hmm. ooh,
0: yeah, and she's dreaming that Rand is going into a trap. I mean, it's very it's intense. And then, of course, the next chapter, sure enough.
1: <clears throat> it's wild, right? We get this moment in the 12th chapter of like almost like respite. Like it's not that it's not yeah. tense, but it's not yeah. tense in the same way that the book thus far has been tense. And then mm. chapter 13 immediately is like, "Oh, you thought you were safe?" <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't think so. <laughs> yep, you get these portal stones, Rand and Loyal and Hurin, who all fell asleep next to each other, and, like, in this, you know, sort of section of their camp, all wake up, there's a giant, like, stone monolith next to them, and they don't know where the fuck they are, and everybody else is gone.
1: Yeah, and, like, Loyal, who has been the one thus far, who knows everything, is like, ah, uh, it says... I don't really know. Maybe there's something, and he's like, "Yeah." It says, "From stone to stone, run the lines of if between the worlds that might be." And you're like, right. "Oh God!" <laughs> <laughs> like this, this is, is so stressful. stressful. <laughs> and like, yeah. So, and <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> no, I just love this. I love this chapter so much because not only is it like so stressful and rand. It's the it's kind of the first time that Rand in full kind of control of his abil- like capabilities has to try to reach for the source and deliberately channel like not by accident, yeah. not because he's, you know, in fear for his life or whatever. It's right. he has to try to use it and it I love the kind of way it's described where it's like greasy and oily and rancid and like just no. like Ugh. And it just Here, blows up in his face.
0: Here's the thing. Here's my problem yeah. with this. I, problem is maybe not the right word. But, like, Loyal basically says on page 217 that his best guess is that, that like, these stones were used by Aes Sedai in the Age of Legends to travel. Like, yeah. capital T. Right? And then Rand is standing there trying to use it. What does he think they think he's doing? Because Loyal and Hurin don't know that he can channel, but he's standing there trying to channel in front of them, in front of a thing that only works by channeling. Like, what is he, what is... I <laughs> think Rand is panicking. Yeah. I think we know that Rand this is, a is panicking. This way to give away your, your secret hidden skill, buddy. Like... like <laughs> And the fact that neither Loyal or Hurin are like, but what do you think you're doing well, is, to me, like, a huge oversight.
1: Hurin, I think we can allow because he has his, his like, weird little power,
0: right? That's fair. Hurin That's has fair. his
1: weird little power, so I think he's less that likely. Related, that is not channeling That is not channeling, but it's it's something where he's like, I don't lay, really let the Aes I know. We kind of keep it on the DL. So they know it's like something a little off. So her and I think is less likely of the two to say something. And from my perspective, Loyal, I feel like, would file it away. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. Loyal would be like, now, okay, you know what? He's doing something. (laughs) I'm going to remember this. Maybe I'll write it down. Yeah. And perhaps we will discuss because I think Rand is just kind of all over the place i feel like he's he panicking is. about being there he's stressed because hearing keeps calling him a lord and he's <laughs> like i'm not a lord <laughs> like what am i supposed to do but now i have to protect these two because that's what a lord yeah. does in her and is looking at me to make a decision right. so like i feel like right. he's just like panicking yeah
0: completely and you know the only like sort of helpful thing in this chapter is that her and can still sort of smell the trail of the dark friends Mm -hmm. so they're like well i guess we follow it and hopefully we'll be reunited with everybody else like that's our best bet uh which it is it absolutely it is is, but it's it's
1: he's following it but I think what's interesting here is Rand is being forced into the position ahead of time of the one that Entar yeah. told him he was going to have to do, right? Mm-hmm, like Rand yeah. is being forced into this position of like, I promise you I will get us home, I will handle this, I will make the decisions. Um, and it's also again in this chapter is a really moment of paralleling with Egwene in the last chapter where Rand is trying to reach for the source and, and have this experience mm-hmm. that we watched Egwene have just a few pages before. It's just really yeah. interesting, only they're in this land that feels so wrong. Like, I really yeah. appreciate how Jordan describes everything. Like, when he's talking about how you can't look, like, out of mm-hmm. the corner of, the, of your eye, it feels all twisty and just stomach-churning. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's just described so well that you can immediately, it's like everything just feels uncanny.
0: Mm-hmm. Ugh. Mm-hmm.
1: God, it's so good.
0: Yeah, and then and then chapter 14, we go back to the rest of the party and who it's are like, where the fuck is then it's, it's a parent chapter, chapter, always my favorite. A parent chapter in which he gets to use his powers even better. Where he has to like finally
1: start to, again, much like Rand accept who he is and accept the role that he's meant to play right where he Mm -hmm. he's the he knows he's the only one who can do it though he's still unwilling to kind of share it with matt which is very funny although matt kind of proved that maybe i'm not the one to handle secrets right now
0: (laughs) right right yeah so he like Perrin is like well Okay, we've, you know, because Inkar's is freaking out. We've lost our sniffer. How do we know? You know, the dark friends have been zigzagging all over the place. Like, how are we going to attract them? And Perrin's like internally, like, well, I know I can help with this. Like, I guess I should. So and he's he like talking out. to the wolves, right? Yeah, and he he's so great. And talks to, He finds some new wolf friends to talk to. And they're like, yo, what's up? We've heard about you, buddy. <laughs> yo, what's up? <laughs> And he's like Ugh. but he does it he does it he takes on the responsibility and he tells Ingtar like oh i think i have I, he basically tells Ingtar like i'm a sniffer too Yeah is, like you know, he's sure, like fine. well no he te- Ingtar
1: says that we'll we'll tell people you're a sniffer Right you're right, He yeah. he tells Ingtar the truth because he has this moment of it's very similar to rand where rand is like i am tamal thor's son like i am a shepherd yeah. from two rivers parent is like i am a man not a wolf i'm a man and then there is this like i just want to point out there's like a really nice little moment with matt yeah that's like are you okay i don't know how i'm gonna find
0: a wisdom like please don't get right. sick i have some willow bark do you want some willow please. bark tea? i'll make you some tea I'm like, aw. So sweet.
1: But so Inktar kind of was like, okay, like, I've heard of this. Like, I know that this is a thing. Right. We're going to treat it. We just won't tell people. Like, some people right. might get a little freaked out. We'll just tell them right. you're a sniffer. <laughs> but, like, I have heard of what you are.
0: Yeah, and he knows Elias Matera, which is a nice bit of callback. Mm-hmm. Um, and then freaking
1: Varen shows up.
0: Yes you're like how, everywhere. Did you, how did you get there so fast <laughs> like, like she, one moment she's teaching a queen and i the next she's showing up following the trail like what is going right? on? right and like i do love that when matt's like maybe it's rand i knew he wouldn't leave me <laughs> and you're like no he
1: didn't oh. <laughs> he didn't want to but when Varen says moiraine sadai sent me you're like did she though Right. (laughs) Like, we didn't see that happen. All we know is that Moiraine left and then Varen left. So like I guess she could have, but like
0: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And she's and then of course she finds out that Rand isn't there and starts interrogating Ingtar's, like, tell me everything he's done. Tell me everything he's said. And you're like, (laughs) uh, even Matt, like
1: it's it's very unsettling when she goes off and Matt and the chapter ends with that really ominous moment of Matt being like No, it's Rand. She she wants Rand, not the horn. Yeah. And Perrin being like, stay away, man. Don't come back wherever you are. Don't come back. (laughs) Like, good God. Yeah. (laughs) Whew. And then we get to the chapter 15, which is called Kinslayer.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Which is actually kind of a weird title for it, now that I'm thinking about it. Because, well, okay.
1: So this is where I had my cursed
0: thought about Randall? Oh,
1: oh. <laughs> tell me so this chapter starts they're they're in this like weird other town and everything or town world whatever and everything is like there are these like weird parts of the land that are blackened and burned and and there's no there's no animals or sounds and it feels very alone and like uncomfortable um i love the notion of this like black striped charred ground just cutting through all the green and they make Mm. it to this lake and Rand's like let me taste it first like let me go first and he's kind of taken on this like protector leadership role and in my head and in my defense I have been re-watching Supernatural for like (laughs) three months (laughs) and in my head I was like oh my god Rand is Dean Winchester in this chapter (laughs) (laughs) nice rand is like the reluctant hero going through an identity crisis
0: (laughs) wait what are the their two names again remind me sam and dean sam and dean and sam is the taller one sam is
1: the tall one who's the little brother dean is the like i mean they're both good looking but dean is the like super hot one
0: agree agree i've seen like two seasons of supernatural uh anyway okay sorry moving on Side note. so yeah that's
1: my curse thought that rand is uh dean winchester analog in this chapter <laughs>
0: um yeah that's a thought uh okay right so they're moving through this world rand is like trying to be in charge um they're Following this trail that's like kind of off and weird, um, but they don't really know what else to do. And like, then Loyal oh. does an Ogier tree song, which oh. is so cool. It's so nice, but then he uses it to like build a weapon, and it kind of like hurts your heart a little bit that he feels like he yeah. has to do this. I know. It broke my heart too. It broke my heart too. I because I was so excited, I was like, Oh, he's gonna like make something grow in this sad land. And it's like, nope, he needed a weapon, he made a quarter staff. Like that how messed up this place is, is that Loyal, who is, like, the most peaceful being in the world, needs a weapon. Mm-hmm.
1: And Heron is still kind of trying to follow this scent, but it's very weird. Like, it's weak, and he kind of is, like, it feels like it's there's, like, uh, multiple versions of it, and I can't yeah. really get a handle on it. Um, it's very strange. And then rand kind of keeps coming back to like no balzaman has to be dead
0: (sighs) yeah and he's he's like thinking about bad and and like trying to figure out like why is he so important what's going on like who killed the Murdrel, and And then of course he has a really freaking terrifying dream
1: no but i don't think it. we don't know if it's a dream right so he is keeping watch He's keeping watch. He's, like, going through his sword movements. He takes out Tom's cloak and, like, plays his flute a little bit. And you can tell he's, like, kind of very anxious about everything. And then as he he is doing this, a voice breaks. And it says, swords do no good against me, lose Theron. You should know that. And he sees a figure come. And it's Balsamon. And he says, it has to be a dream. And Balzaman is like, you always deny what this is. And they have this conversation and it's very, very scary, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Balzaman, this is where he says, you find out followers, the girl who tries to watch over you. A poor guardian and weak. So she is trying, if we assume it is Egwene. Yeah. She is doing something.
0: Clearly, mm-hmm.
1: not necessarily consciously, but there's something she is doing to protect him, and I wonder if that is what, in her dreams or whatever it is, that is hiding him in some way right, right. from uh, from pain right? Yeah.
0: Which I love. I right. love that, that idea. Yeah, that I like that idea better than my other two theories for sure. And Rand has no idea who he's talking about. He's like, is it Moiraine? Moiraine's not a girl, right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> but then, <laughs> and, and then the the seeds come in of like.
1: Like I love like um him being reiterating again like I have people in the White Tower like is Moiraine one of mine, maybe yeah I have a thousand strings tied to you and you're like oh it's so so scary (laughs) and of course this is like Balsamon you know Rand is to me I was like oh god this is like Jesus in the desert being like um tempted by the tempted, devil right yeah. like land has right. been taken away he's by himself in this weird land and like balzaman shows up to be like i can give you power and i can blah, blah, blah and we're gonna do this and it was all a little yeah. a little more kind of aggressively explicit version of like oh that's mm. just that that i care for
0: <laughs> that's fair that's fair um but it's yeah and then like, ooh, it's this so really creepy. dramatic thing happens at the end of their I don't know if you could call it a conversation, but the end of their interaction where uh Balzamon like basically like breathes fire at Rand and like oh, the so sword creepy. starts burning and and you know then there's this fog and like everything feels like it's on fire um and all of this stuff happens and then all of a sudden it's gone. Like there's no fire, his clothes are fine, like he's He's fine, except for one hand. Now he has this brand of a heron mark burn on right, his palm. right. Well, because he thinks,
1: um, yeah, he like thinks it's all over, and has this like brief, brief moment of like I did imagine it, and then the pain, and yeah. it is that brand onto his palm, and you're yeah. like. Huh? <laughs> And the the interaction he has with the power and Satan throughout this is also very interesting, right? Because it starts to become a little more almost like second nature to him. Like he doesn't doesn't necessarily have trouble with it. He doesn't fear it. It's just a piece of what – it's a tool. Like in his toolbox,
0: it feels like. Right. Right. No, you're right. I think it's – you know, I think it's a good illustration of how – intense these experiences are that he's more afraid of not using it than he's afraid of using it. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. Agreed. And it comes back to this whole thing comes back again to Balsamon pushing him into a certain direction and Rand saying, I won't do it and Rand being pushed and pushed. And so at the end it's, it was with that, that Balsamon wanted to tempt him. It was that, that Moiraine and the Emerald and sea wanted him to do. He would not. And Rand is just kind of like, (laughs) fuck off, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> Except, of course, he keeps doing stuff. So Because he, you know, it, it's it, like what they said, right? It's like if the wheel wants you to be somewhere, the wheel's mm-hmm. going to make sure you get there.
0: Yep. Right? Yeah. Right? Like You're that's dying. what they keep You're- saying. Yes, yeah, so we talked about agency in the last book, too, and he just really does not have... Things keep happening to him. He wakes up in a weird land. Like, he has all these crazy dreams. All these people are interrogating him and telling him who he is. Like, it's every time he tries to, you know, break free, like, there's some new person telling him mm-hmm. what he has to do and who he's going to be. And
1: he thinks he has this kind of illusion of choice, right? Because even in the next yeah. chapter when it kicks off where... Heron and Loyal are like Rand is basically like okay we're just going to go we just got to go and yeah. he thinks like I didn't ask him to take me for a bloody lord but he did and you let him you made the choice and now the duty is yours which mm-hmm. arguably is it a choice though because what is the alternative Right that no right. one takes yeah. the lead like Heron wasn't going to do it Loyal wasn't going right. to do it right um yeah. And then they have kind of this stronger sense of conversation with Loyal because they see um the Hawkwing monument, which was supposedly yeah. gone. Yes. In but the distance. In this
0: world. Well, wait,
1: we didn't get there <laughs> oh, okay. yet. First they okay. they see it, and the difference is that in their world there is no monument. It's just like a mound. Right. This they see this massive monument. And Loyal is saying basically he's like. I've been thinking about this. I believe I know what the worlds might be are. Maybe I do worlds. Our world might have been if things had happened differently. And I, I really like the way it's discussed. Like maybe that's why it's so, because, you know, it's also washed out. Because it's an if, a maybe. Like I like mm-hmm. that a lot, that description mm-hmm. of the kind of place they're in. Because then. Yeah, it's a fun,
0: it's a fun way to describe a parallel dimension. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: like an if world. It's a maybe world. Yeah. And so they run for the the monument because they were like, oh, if we can get there. And Loyal kind of has this like, wait, 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 wait. And then they get there and it's not, it's not the fucking Hawkwing Monument. It's like if Trollocs no. made it. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It's so scary. And like, then there's this moment where I can't remember who, is it Hurin or Loyal? Hurin, I think is like, oh, I, did I, did I hear something? Did I, did I see something? No. And then they hear screams.
0: God. Yep. And this woman who's being pursued by a creature. A gorm. Appears. A Grom. A gro- gorm. or Grom? Anyway, giant monster. A and of course they have to save her. Yes, so they, they have do. to save
1: her, but it I, I do like this too, because it's like this woman is being attacked, um, and she, Rand like takes out his bow and arrow and she has the wherewithal to say the eye. And he even has a moment, realizes, like, she sounds surprisingly calm considering she was screaming a
0: second ago. Uh, Yeah, there's so many great moments in this section where she's behaving one way, but, like, doing something a little bit off, and Rand is like, Huh. But then he keeps he is like unable to resist her charm. Basically. Yeah, because she's
1: so beautiful, right? Like <laughs> she's so beautiful and unearthly and her name is Celine and she's like, You you saved me, like I'm at yes. your mercy, whatever. And Rand kind yeah, she's of is really like
0: playing up this whole like damsel yes. in distress. So thank you for saving me. Like make, she's trying to like puff Rand up and make him feel like he's like super amazing and awesome. Mm-hmm. And you know, oh, you're clearly a lord. Like, and then you know they're telling her all of these things about. Who like, they are. yeah, yeah I love her and being doing.
1: like the the, the horn. And Rand's like, are you fucking kidding me,
0: <laughs> bro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, oh, well, obviously you're going to get the horn and use it. Like, you'll be the most powerful person in the world. And Rand is like, I'm not. Good. That's not my job. This is what I really like, though, because Rand, like you said, like
1: he keeps noticing these things and and even though he's falling for her charms and like wants to be near her and like talking to her and it's like, maybe I'll kiss her. Oh, God. (laughs) He still like is resisting on some level. Like there's this where she says, when you find it, you must promise me when you have it, you will let me touch it. And Rand doesn't (laughs) promise. He sidesteps it. Like, he says, but before we can do that or before I can do that. He doesn't make a promise. He doesn't kind of allow that to happen, which I I liked that moment a lot because I thought it was such, like, a great little, like, character moment for him of, like, even though he's so taken with her, there's still a piece of him that is holding back, which is really smart.
0: Yeah. And she's shady AF. Like, she knows all of this stuff. That like Loyal doesn't even know about where they are and how the stones work and like all of these things. And she's like, Oh, I read it in a book. And you're like, mm-hmm. like sure. Shady. Sure, you read it in a book. You are shady. And she keeps pushing so, Rand,
1: like, you know, some men choose to seek greatness while others are forced to it. When you yeah. choose it, you have more control, essentially, is what she's telling him, you know. Um, and then she has her opinions on the Aes Sedai when he asks her if she's Aes Sedai. And she's like, they could right. have ruled and they chose not to. And I think that's stupid. Like, <laughs> she's like, I'm like, cool. definitely now not I know that. who you are. <laughs> like, yikes. Like, she gives yeah. all these little things. And, and like you said, like, I wrote it down too, where it's like, she's very deliberately off-putting. Like, yeah. very, very specifically. Um, and so there's this, like, moment where he's like okay we're gonna get you to where you need to be but we have to go this way and she's like no 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 stay with me like we'll get the horn we'll do it like or he says like stay with me because we'll find the horn we'll do all this stuff and she's trying to get him to use the portal stone that they found
0: um yeah
1: and she says you always celine drew a deep breath as if to calm herself you always are so stubborn and you're like what does that mean
0: right you've known him
1: for four seconds
0: i know (laughs) so weird and you know I was gonna say there is this moment of hope where Rand is like oh she got here which means she had to Mm -hmm. abuse the portal stone so like she can maybe get us back like yeah "Yeah, I don't have to do anything like this woman can help us get back so it's just another reason that he has to like be excited that she's there is like oh maybe this is another way out Um, but then you know things go sideways again they get attacked by more of these creatures
1: yes yes they do I I do wonder I wanted to very briefly like bring up that because Egwene had this dream of this woman
0: Mm. looking down at
1: Rand like and then in the next chapter she
0: says what she says her eyes shone like the moon yes and then this woman comes and her name is Selene which we all know is another name for the moon yep
1: and so I think we know I think we've gotten enough hints that yeah. this woman is not good news
0: yeah right yeah. like i think, I think it's... yeah she's pretty clearly not to be trusted yes
1: um so yeah so then more Grom show up <laughs> which and then i i actually do really like this section where like rand is like i'm just gonna freaking handle it and it's we're yeah. back to where we were in the first book where rand has this moment where he's not in control of his body again, right? It says, Rand was not aware of raising his bow. And it's this, like, kind of repeated theme we have with him of being disconnected from the actions that he's taking, which lends itself to, like, you are, you know, uh, Balzaman keeps calling you Kinslayer. There is this something Mm -hmm. is going on where you were reborn from being another person. And so you are now all of these various identities kind of bubbling up inside of you. And... I think it comes out most when you see this moment of him not having connection to his physical actions mm,
0: interesting interesting oh there's it's yeah. so good <laughs> yeah so right so he's like i'm just gonna kill them all and she's like no there's too many we have to take the portal stone that like takes us my way not your way like mm, convenient to this way
1: yeah yeah because also the Grom like are there's so many of them and it's like they're closing in from every direction but the front which feels like they are herding them to the place where they're mm-hmm. supposed to be and so they get to this portal stone and Rand is forced to use I almost said the force <laughs> <laughs> it is so. I mean basically it's the force no the force is
0: external you're right you're right <laughs> oh, the, the power is also external it's inside of you though no, but like you have to like open yourself to it and like go to it to get it, right? Like it's like I always saw it as these... being
1: a spark inside of you.
0: No, no, no. Like the way I understand it, especially like these lessons from McGween right? Is like she like, have to open like a bud, and like you can't just like seize it. Like you have to like open yourself to you. up to it, and then bring it to you, and then you can channel it. Ah, uh, that makes the sense. Power,
1: okay, right. Okay, but it's, it sense. doesn't
0: live inside of you. Yeah. the way Uh, that the
1: like the Satan is described though is like yeah I love that section like it made him sick that light it was water to a man dying of thirst he sucked at it it made him
0: want to vomit he wanted it
1: all and you're like
0: ah this is horrible (laughs) yeah it's bad news bears but he does it he does it he gets them back to a new place uh that they hope are in the right world Mm -hmm. like they don't actually know though right like how can they know if they're in the right place she is she's like oh this sign means the right world so use that one and you're just like what lady why do you know that?
1: i know she knows everything and he kind of like has this moment of like kind of manic joy right when they make it and you know uh she kind of is Creepily like, I knew you could do it.
0: Yeah. Ugh, <laughs> and this is where he's like,
1: Ooh, I could kiss her. Yeah. And you're like, no. There is something really wrong. And he tells her to keep it secret. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 So And then I love that this section ends with him thinking like Igween would have called me a woolhead.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I mean he's comparing them, right? And this is a woman yeah. who is doing all of the things that make him like kind of puff up about himself
0: right right? but in in the background he has this like voice that's being like that's not what Egwene would have done like and remember how much you love Egwene like remember how great Mm -hmm. she is like she never would have done that but oh Celine, so great like it's very this like push pull is very interesting
1: it really is because then we immediately go to Egwene (laughs) for our for our last chapter um I have to... Okay, I have a bone to pick with this chapter. I think okay. they do a real disservice to Neneve in this chapter. Like, very intense disservice to her. Because she is stubborn and angry, but she's not stupid. And I think mm. they make her seem stupid in this chapter.
0: I, I... I do... So, I guess my take on it is that, you know, it's more lessons. And, like, all of these eyes today are, like... Prodding her to because they've figured out that if she's angry, she can channel, but unless she's you know not angry, she can't do anything. Um, and so they are treating her really poorly, uh, de- very deliberately. Um, but the thing that I felt like was a clear indication of like just how freaking talented she is is that like she they have like done all these terrible things to her, like they've held her upside down, or like mm-hmm. they've forced like gross things into her mouth, and like she can then do everything that she that they have done like she sees it once and she learns it and she knows how to do it right even though she can't like predictably access her powers all she has to do is like be exposed to a thing once and, and she, she knows can how do, to it. do it
1: no i think she's very yeah. talented
0: but where i was getting
1: irritated is how excessively she was like disrespecting within the power structure where I'm like that's Uh, stupid that's not playing the game smart and I know that like we we know that she is hot-headed and and all of these things but she also again she's not stupid and it it just felt over the top have we seen her
0: play a game though I don't feel like we've seen her navigate we haven't haven't seen her navigate
1: necessarily I'm not saying she would necessarily good at be good at the like political game of it but if right most powerful person of the order of the place you are going to live comes into the room you're not going to act like a three-year-old having a tantrum
0: which is what happened right like even Egwene I mean this is comes to teach them yeah like and like I just even Egwene had this
1: moment of like what is she doing Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. stop it and it it was just, and maybe this is from a result of like we're not in a knave's head. We're not seeing it from yeah. her perspective, but we this is I was just getting really frustrated with her, where I was like, this is not this is over the top to an extent where yeah. I'm like you are doing a disservice to the character in this moment.
0: character assassination. Yes,
1: <laughs> but there are That's- other good parts of this part. <laughs>
0: yeah no that's fair I think that's a fair I think it's a fair quibble I think that's right? the, the real I
1: point. did yep. love this moment where um, Suin comes in and <laughs> is just such a bitch <laughs> like, <laughs> like Nene has been like seasick the entire time <laughs> right and she comes in and is like are both of you feeling well eating well too I trust in good temper yeah. <laughs> like damn <laughs>
0: Yeah, she's not fucking around. Uh, it's pretty amazing. It's it is so good. Amazing.
1: And then, you know, yeah. Neneve, like, it's very telling, I think, when Suen is like, what do you want? And Neneve's like, a sword. Yeah. Which, like, I think that's valid. So I didn't really appreciate when the Amarylline was like, well, even if you have the skill, men are always going to have as much skill and be stronger than you. And I'm like, that's bullshit.
0: But then she I goes know- on to be like, I, I love how I I just cracked me up when she was like, hmm. I guess if he's got a sword, well, I'll just freeze him. Like now he can't yes. use his stupid sword on me. I agree. Um, and I like, thought that was her great. illustrating why this is like a short-sighted request. Just cracked me up. Uh, no, I did.
1: I did like that a lot. I just didn't like that one line yeah. of like,
0: because I
1: think both are valid things to want to learn. Of course. And so being like. Yeah. Because, like, you should know how to use a sword. Like, what if you're tapped out of the one power? Yeah, what if you're in no. trouble? Like, what if you can't access it's,
0: it? it? It's very deliberately belittling, which I don't yes. appreciate either. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Uh, and then they, like, get abandoned again. Like, they get the boat gets into the dock, and, like, there's nobody around to, like, tell them what's going on. Everybody's already off the boat. Mm-hmm. They're like, what are we supposed to do?
1: So, But then Sheriam uh, Sedai shows up, who is the mistress of novices, mm-hmm. right? And yep. Nineveh is going to be an accepted, which is one level above novice and is quite, for the most part, it feels like not done, that you get to just skip that entire step, but she's so powerful and like, whatever. Um, and Egwene is going to be a novice. Mm-hmm. And they, they kind of get some, like, ooh, you're in trouble. There's a lot of, like, this is going to be really hard. We have to make sure that girls don't break and all this stuff. Um, yeah. And it, it's a very transitional sort of chapter, mostly, I think, to see the differences in how Neneve and Egwene and how their training is going. Like, it was very clear that yeah. they're being very kind to Egwene because she is able to latch onto the source much easier than Neneve mm-hmm. is because Neneve needs that temper and that anger to do it. Uh um, yeah. which I think yeah, is what we're supposed I, to learn.
0: For sure. I do also think it's interesting where Shariam talks about how like there are so few novices now. Mm-hmm. Like there's only what 40 um, and no more than eight or nine are going to actually make it to accepted. And I, I've been thinking about, you know, because we've heard this before, like, it's one of the reasons why there's all this jockeying for position where, like, oh, well, elada brought in Elaine, the daughter of, heir of Andor, who has this huge power. So, like, they're very well liked at the moment. It's like, well, we're going to get them back because I have two who are, yep. like, amazing. Um, and the fact that just, like, three young women coming in is such a big deal really illustrates how much the this talent is fading out of the world and I've like started hatching all these theories about why um (laughs) that I I don't I will save for another time but like it's one of the things going through my head is like oh yeah like because there's all these other things coming back right like we've got Mm -hmm. the wolf brother thing that's coming back and we've got you know Egwene is a dreamer which hasn't been around for a while and Vern is a sniffer and it's like everybody's like is it old or is it new like you know what's going on but this one thing that's like so well known and so established is fading and like why
1: yeah there is a lot of I guess that's something that pay more attention to I guess as we go on because I've not been good about paying attention to that in terms of they have comments like that so frequently of how yeah. times have changed versus how times are continuing like we talked a little bit about it a few episodes ago I think when um, Matt and Rand were being taken to um, Camlin on that cart and the guy was talking about the relationship between Aes Sedai and the Queen. Oh, yeah. And how it right. went back like centuries. <laughs> but a they were. Thousand years yeah, or it was like some wildly huge number. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how there were people who were still irritated by it. And you were like, it's not like it's like 25 <laughs> years. It's like yeah. thousands of years. Like, who is. Yeah. At this point, how do you maintain that level of anger throughout generations? <laughs> But it's just the way history and time and society intersect is very interesting in yeah in this in the series
0: yeah woo well all right considering that that was a whole nother hour I think we should probably limit ourselves to eight more chapters going forward yeah I agree. Uh. So much to talk about. So um, yes, you can continue to keep an eye out for future episodes every other Wednesday. And so next time we'll talk about chapters 19 through 26. And if you want to find the conversations we're having um, on social media, you can check the hashtag or bust. Uh
1: And of course, thank you to our Patreon supporters. We really appreciate it. That's Sarish G, Olivia K, Joshua S., caitlin p nicholas e michelle s michelle d danae destination toast cat jericho saber bouquet thomas elizabeth emily evans ola yulia matthew and brian um if you would like to support our patreon it is patreon.com slash tarvalon or bust we do posts there and and kind of have conversations a little bit and and on occasion we'll do like a patreon early version of a side episode or whatever um and yeah it's kind of like where we're hosting the community part of this podcast i guess because it's the easiest thing to do
0: (laughs) correct uh big thanks to brian dunn our fellow wheel of time fan and musician who created the amazing intro and outro tracks for this podcast and you can find more of his work at brian that's brian with a y and dunn with two n's Um, And if you missed it, we did an
1: interview with Brian. I think that dropped last week, I believe. Two weeks ago, maybe. Two weeks, last week, two weeks ago. Um, That was, that Jen did with Brian. It is fascinating, all about the music in Wheel of Time. Uh, And if you're enjoying the show, please do leave a review and or a rating on the podcast platform of your choice. We really appreciate it. And it helps other people find the show. Uh, You can find us on social media. Jen, do you want to go first?
0: Sure, uh, you can find me mostly on Instagram at IamJenIRL, that's I-A-M-J-E-N-N-I-R-L. And you can also listen to me on two different podcasts uh, for Book Riot, SFFY, and Get Booked. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter mostly
1: and Tumblr and Instagram at Run Skizzers. that's S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S um you can find my books on my website prithichipper.com the second avengers assembly novel if you like marvel is out for pre-order it's called the sinister substitute and it's about squirrel girl which i'm very excited <laughs> about um and you Amazing. can find me on they geek girls which is a pop culture podcast uh that i do with swapna krishna and we're mostly talking about wandavision these days if you are watching that um and i think that's it oh shoot i forgot um nick nicholas e on twitter told us a good way to end the show and i forgot to write it down but so we'll do it next time (laughs) (laughs) thank you nicholas thanks (laughs) okay bye